You are in the middle of business as usual on your shift. It's busy, you're hustling, you're in your rhythm when suddenly your coworkers all start looking at their phones and your department gets a call that there has been a mass casualty and your hospital needs to prepare to take the victims. This is Trauma Nursing to Go. Today, we're going to touch on what it means to prepare and be a part of a mass casualty in the aftermath of these events. This is a big system-wide challenge that needs a system-wide response, but we are going to focus on what it means for you at the bedside. There are many definitions for multi-casualty incidents, MCIs, and mass casualty events, MCEs. They generally refer to an overwhelming event where the number of casualties exceeds the local resources and capabilities. The scale can vary from a handful of victims in a multi-car pileup, which would likely be considered an MCI, to the over 800 victims as seen in 2017 in Las Vegas, a very overwhelming MCE. MCEs can also involve events that disrupt health services and natural disasters such as hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, burns, biologic or chemical agents that require decontamination as well as usual disaster response, or in our recent and way too common case, an active shooter. Given the recent event of an active shooter that impacted my colleagues personally, I would like to give you an idea of what this means for the bedside nurse. Given how frequent active shooter situations have become in the U.S., this is a topic many of us think about often, especially in hospitals where we anticipate to treat these victims. There are many steps to disaster management, but today I'm going to focus on being prepared. You and your shop, your facility, need to be prepared beforehand. Have a system in place and how to manage and communicate if and when a mass casualty occurs. When you get the call to expect high numbers of victims from a mass casualty should not be the first time your hospital has ever tried to form or activate an incident command system. If you don't practice and train ahead of time, when the MCI hits, it will be a total uncontrolled chaos. When incident command sets up promptly, it becomes a clear structure of communication and planning, which is essential to pulling fluid mass casualty or any kind of disaster. When incident command sets up promptly, it becomes a clear structure of communication and planning, which is essential through pulling through the mass casualty or any kind of disaster. To bring this back to the nursing perspective, in our scenario, a hospital incident command known as HICS is promptly assembled. Our leadership will handle the communicating between those on scene and those in the hospital. But for us at the bedside, how can we best prepare for what's coming? Through incident command, let's say we're initially told to prepare for up to 12 gunshot wound victims. However, on an active scene, this changes frequently. Numbers from 5 to 50 are being called out. We are being told to prepare for a group of small children who had been shot, and then later hearing it might be a few adults only. Meanwhile, the staff are all watching the news and hearing more conflicting information. This is mentally exhausting with the constant talk of what's coming in. During this initial chaos and whatever time you have before the first victims arrive is when you need to make as much space as you can, pull together your staffing, and start stocking up. You need to pull as much staff as you can to assist for this anticipated large volume. Also, given that everyone is watching the news unfold, some of your colleagues may see what is happening and offer to come into work and assist as well. In some cases, EMS and flight crews also helped in the ED within their scope, such as putting in lines, IOs, and intubations. 
Remember, the whole hospital as a team needs to prepare, including all the other inpatient units and especially the operating room. These are generally trauma patients with surgical emergencies. This means the operating rooms need to be cleared, staffed, and ready to go. In my setting in the ED, those with minor ailments who are ambulatory are moved into chairs. Those who require admission or are sicker need to go somewhere. The inpatient units need to prepare to accept a large volume of admissions on the fly. If this sounds impossible where you work, I am speaking from our own experience that admissions were accepted with no questions asked because everyone knew what we were up against and wanted to help. Even the patients who normally never want to be discharged or leave the department were agreeable to move because they all see the news, patients and staff, and they want to help. Now that we've cleared space in the ED, our next step is to prepare our rooms. In this scenario, we are expecting a large volume of penetrating trauma. We need to make more resuscitation rooms and bust out any available extra equipment. This includes supplies for giving blood and other volume resuscitation, as well as having extra supplies related to interventions you often need in penetrating trauma, such as tourniquets, thoracostomy, chest tube equipment, and airway supplies. Next, you need to think about how we're going to document. Is your usual process going to work in this scenario? For us, a nurse normally documents all of our trauma resuscitations on a computer under an anonymous name. Is that feasible when 12 patients arrive simultaneously? Another option is documenting on paper. And how do we keep the charts with the patient in this chaos? Some facilities wrote on paper and kept the chart on the gurney. Anytime another procedure or assessment was done, it was written on the paper and kept with the patient wherever they went. You and your colleagues will need to decide what is the best option for your setting. Next, how do we manage medications? Will you sign your name and scan in for each individual med in your cart like usual? Does your facility have a process where meds collectively can be brought out ahead of time? Some facilities had a pharmacy tech present at the Pixis so it could be unlocked and staff could rapidly grab what they needed while others stockpiled the meds in their pockets. This is risky and complicated, especially as most of the meds we are talking about are controlled substances. You need to do your best and have a plan with your facility. As an FYI, in some state and federal emergencies, massive MCEs, there can be a suspension of regulations and reporting requirements, including activation of statutory immunities and liability protections for those involved in response activities. Good to know. With whatever minutes you have to prepare, the time is eventually up when the victims start rolling in. Now the chaos will intensify. Depending on the location, you may get a swarm of walk-ins and drop-offs from cars and or EMS is giving you the heads up on what they are bringing in. Incident command will be handling the bigger picture. Communication and updates will be going through the chain of command to minimize chaos. For you as the bedside nurse, you need to focus on your patient's immediate needs in that chaos. You may be surprised with the adrenaline pumping how you are able to stay focused in the immediate and pressing demands around you. For our scenario, our first six gunshot victims roll in. On the across the room glance as they come by, two have tourniquets on extremities with bleeding controlled, three appear to have abdominal gunshot wounds and are awake but pale and diaphoretic, and one victim who was shot in the chest went into cardiac arrest and has CPR in progress. We are told that another six victims will also be arriving shortly. As a team, you and your colleagues will identify who's critical, who unfortunately cannot be resuscitated or saved in this circumstance, and who can wait. Normally, a penetrating trauma who goes into a cardiac arrest may be a candidate for an emergent thoracotomy and operation to control the source of bleeding, a significant amount of resources, but common in the world of trauma resuscitation. 
But when you are looking at 12 gunshot victims and 11 have a good chance of survival if they are treated now, the one who arrested is going to take a tremendous amount of resources for slim chances at meaningful survival. You have to do what is best for the greatest amount of people, and that is to prioritize and treat the other five victims, pronounce the victim who has already died, and prepare for the next wave of patients. This, understandably, is extremely challenging. However your mass casualty unfolds, Maybe just a few are critically ill and need emergent operations. Maybe there are dozens critically ill and you and your colleagues have to bend your resources and protocols in the heat of the moment to best meet the demands. Eventually, this monumental team effort of taking the victims in from the mass casualty will slow down. The rush is done. Incident command will still be communicating with the field and active scene, but the hospital reinforcements are coming in and they will start arranging admissions and staffing the units for your new volume. Your shift will eventually be over and you will hand off care, but now what? How you recover from being involved in a mass casualty is just as important as how you prepare for one. In the heat of the moment, you did what you needed to do. Now that the chaos is over, the intensity of what just occurred may start sinking in. You can feel a lot of emotions ranging from pride in your team and coworkers to guilt for the lives lost or that always nagging feeling that you could have done better, that you might have screwed something up. You absolutely need to take care of yourself, but how? Talk to your colleagues, the people who were there and get it. Debrief with them and with incident command. Sometimes knowing what happened in the bigger picture will help you cope with your role and what occurred at the bedside. This is especially true when you feel something went wrong or there was a bad outcome that was preventable. The crew who work together need to talk about it, get each other's perspective, and maybe get involved in discussing what you can do better next time. From my own personal experience, what I was not prepared for is how hard it would be to move on. Literally, the national news kept going on and on about the event, the shooter, seeing the victims and their families on screen. The president was making statements, political groups were arguing, all over something that I bore witness to. And what really happened versus what I was seeing in the news seemed very different. Another challenge was coming back to work the next day, and the department was startlingly normal again. We had the same problems all over again. Lots of admissions, the floors weren't ready to take, a line out the door with people waiting to check in for various ailments, the same staff disagreements. But despite the department looking normal, I did not feel normal. What most helped me recover from my own involvement in the mass casualty was the support of my colleagues as we talked to each other about our very own different experiences of what happened that day. We would talk about it frequently, then slowly bring it up less often, and eventually things started to feel as closer to normal as they appeared. Professional help also has an important role, especially when you are feeling overwhelmed with the events and decisions that were made in that time. Personally, I see a professional therapist regularly, and this definitely came up in my therapy. So remember, know your hospital's plan for a mass casualty, take care of the victims to the best of your abilities and capacity, and be sure to debrief and take care of yourself once the event is over. This is Trauma Nursing To Go. Thank you for listening to Trauma Nursing To Go. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. As a reminder, I do not represent my employer, and the cases represented here are fictional and intended for educational purposes only. You can subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Feel free to contact me by email, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks for listening.